Verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night. Anybody know what that's like? Anybody? Anybody ever been in a place where you can relate to David saying, my tears have been my food day and night? While people say to me all day long, where is your God? Maybe not other people, but maybe this is a question some of us have asked as we look back on 2013. Maybe some of us have been in places where we said, God, where are you? Where are you? Most of us know intellectually that God hasn't forsaken us and will never forsake us. And I continue to remind us of that on the cross. But man, sometimes it sure feels like it, huh? It sure feels like God has forsaken us. That's where David is in Psalm 42. David's in this place where he is saying, God, where are you? David is in this place in Psalm 42 where he's experiencing inner turmoil, anxiety, worry, Lack of faith, doubt, asking where are you. And newsflash, this, by the way, is not a matter of if we will find ourselves in this place. It's a matter of what? When? But will you look at what David does? Will you look at what David does? In verse 4, he says, these things, Scripture passage up there, say it with me, these things I Say it once me. Wait, these things I, these things I remember. The exact rendering actually is these things I will remember. As I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. David is saying, when my tears in my, in my food day and night. David is saying, when I am going through a season experiencing inner turmoil and doubt and anxiety. When I'm going through a season where I'm asking God, where are you? When I go through a season where I know intellectually that God hasn't forsaken me. When I know intellectually that God loves me un- in eternally, unconditionally. I know this intellectually, but it, it doesn't feel like God does. When David says, when I go through these seasons, here's what I will do. He says, I will what? I will remember. I will remember. Remember what? When God was very real? Remember what? When, when God was very present? Remember when God brought deliverance? Remember when God answered that prayer? Remember when even if I felt like I couldn't make it, there was a community of people around me that reminded me that I could, remember, I could make it? Remember? David is talking to himself and he's saying, when I go through periods of inner turmoil, doubt, anxiety, fear, and worry and concern that I've been forsaken. David says, I will remember. And then he does one more. Verse 5. Why my soul are you downcast? What is he doing? He's what? He's talking to his heart. Why are you downcast on my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. We talk a lot about this in our church, right? 
Where we say we are phenomenal at listening to our hearts, but we're terrible at talking to our hearts. We're great at listening to our hearts, and when we go through seasons of fear, anxiety, doubt, worry, being forsaken, our hearts talk all kinds of nonsense to us. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And Jesus says, here's what faith is, right, in Matthew 6. After saying, don't worry about that, don't worry about that, don't be anxious about that, he commands us. He says, and here's how you don't worry, you don't be anxious. He says, consider, ponder, think. What is he saying? He's saying, talk to your heart about who God is and about what he has done. The Psalms are filled with psalmists who are talking to them. That's what David is doing. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? He's talking to his heart. Why so disturbed? He says, put your hope in God. Psalms are filled with people talking to their hearts. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Praise his holy name. Praise him, my inmost being, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. It will be spiritually vital for many of us in 2014. I would almost say it will be spiritually suicidal not to to remember what God has done and to talk, not just listen, to your heart. It will be spiritually vital to remember that the Lord of your past is the Lord of your present and Lord of your future. Can God's people say amen? That the God who is the same yesterday Say it with me today. You need to remember. You need to remember. You need to remember. Um, Palestine or Middle East is filled with rocks everywhere. Everywhere you go, there's rocks. There's big rocks. There's small rocks. There's all kinds of rocks everywhere. Um, and they're not just randomly just strewn about. There are places in which you'll come to a place and there will be rocks, but they won't just be random. They will be an altar. <laughs> for those of you that teach for a living, you would appreciate this morning. There are rocks everywhere. Carlton asked me, by the way, what are you going to do with the rocks? And I'm, I'm going to toss it to people that I see falling asleep. So. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, this isn't nerf. This is for real, for real, hard rock, okay? There are rocks everywhere, you guys. These are beautiful, beautiful rocks from the shells. Anyway, um, so those are rocks. Um, the, the nation of Israel had the spiritual discipline, you see, of whenever they saw a mighty work of God, what did they do? You know what they did? They built an altar. They built an altar. Why? Because we forget. All the time. All the time. I can't even remember where I put my wallet. We forget the mighty works of God. So the nation of Israel was told by God, when you see me do something, set up an altar. And remember. Why? Because you're going to forget. Let me set up the context for you, the background. The background is Joshua 3. If you have your Bibles, open it there. Uh, 
the context in Joshua 3 is after 40 years of wandering in the desert, the nation of Israel is finally about to enter and conquer the promised land. Just as God had to get them out of Egypt, now God would have to get them into the promised land. Just as God had to part the Red Sea, God would now have to part the, does anybody remember Bible stories? The Jordan River for them to cross. And we pick up the story in Joshua 3. Verse 14, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Why does the author tell us that? Is to tell us that the river is far too deep and far too swift for several million Jews to cross on their own. So here's what Joshua does. There are million Jews at the other side of the Jordan looking at the promised land. And Joshua tells the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Remember the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolized the very presence of God. And he says, I want you priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant to step into the Jordan. And look what happens. Yet soon as the priests who carry the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the river's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a great heap distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry, they're just showing off now, right? Stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Has anybody here, anybody here experienced a time in which God came through and you knew it was God? Because there's no other explanation. Anybody? Say amen if you have. Yes? Anybody been here? Maybe it's not a huge thing, a small thing. Where you look back at 2014, you go, that was God. And if it wasn't from God, I wouldn't be where I am today. Anybody? Remember how you said, I'm never going to forget. And remember how you forgot. This is the mighty work of God. Something to never, ever forget. But Joshua knows something that you and I know, which is we what? All the time. So look what he does. Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, I want you to choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean, Dad? What do these stones mean, Mom? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Verse 9. Joshua set up 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. You know, the wonderful thing about the Old Testament and preaching stories is it just preaches itself. So here's Joshua. After the 12 men carry 12 stones, boom, Joshua goes in the middle of the river, takes the 12 stones, 
and in the very bed of the river, he sets up an altar. Why? So that in a season of drought, when the river is at its lowest, the people would see the memorial set up to how God provided for their needs. Okay, this story preaches itself, so let me put it this way. When you and I go through a season of drought, you will need a reminder of God's provision for you. Question, do you have one? Or have you forgotten? Can we all just be real honest this morning and say, that we often struggle so much trusting God because we what? Forget his faithfulness. See, to me it's powerful that Joshua not only asked the 12 tribes to do this thing, he himself takes the stones in the very bed of the river so that when the river is at its lowest and there is a drought going on, the people would walk by and say, I remember that. I remember that. I remember that season. I remember that season of anxiety. I remember the season of what if God doesn't come? What? I remember that season of who is there? I remember that season of. Oh. Verse 10. Now the priests who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over, and as soon as all of them had crossed, the ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad, and half tribe of Manasseh crossed over ready for battle in front of the Israelites as Moses had directed them. Verse 13. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to plains of Jericho for war. That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of Israel. And if you know the story of Joshua in 3.7, God promises Joshua, I'm going to lift you up just like I did to Moses. God fulfills his promise. And they stood in awe of Joshua all the day of his life just as they had stood in awe of Moses. Verse 15. Then the Lord said to Joshua, command the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant law to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest, come up out of the Jordan. And the priest who came up out of the river carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, no sooner had they set feet on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. A mighty miracle of God to be remembered forever. But even mighty miracles of God are forgotten unless we do something to say it with me. So, Joshua, verse 19. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. The town of Gilgal will be the place where they would be the base of operations for the conquest. And what's the first thing that they do? They don't go and go, let's charge. God says, first thing, first thing, first thing, first thing. Set up a memorial. Because you need to remember. For three people. One, for them. For them. The generation that I crossed. Why? This is the thing that we don't realize. What do you think life in the promised land would be like? Do you remember? It wasn't one vacation after another. 
The, the promised land brought more warfare, more battle than they had encountered before. Promised land would bring to it challenges greater than what they had experienced before. So they would need to trust God even more than they had before they entered the promised land. But here's the thing. With greater challenges would come greater blessings. And so what God does is he prepares the nation of Israel spiritually before he prepares them militarily to conquer the nation. Can I just say something to you and me this year? God will need to conquer you and me spiritually before we are called out for the task ahead of us in 2014. Can God's people say amen? You know what I mean by that? You and I have no shot, no chance at the warfare and the blessing that will come unless we are spiritually conquered by the Holy Spirit. And by the way, if you're going to freak out, go, what does that mean? Here's what it means. Being conquered by the Holy Spirit means being brought to a point of utter dependence, utter reliance, and brokenness before the sight of God. So that we could be prepared for the task and mission that God has before us. Amen? That's what God does. He says, before you flit off, because you didn't do anything, by the way, and try and conquer the land, I need to make sure you know who you are and you know whose you are and who is empowering you. So God prepares them spiritually before they can be launched out to conquer the promise and militarily. I have a question. Are you prepared spiritually? I'll tell you the first thing that needs to happen if we are to be prepared spiritually, you need to set up an altar and remember who God is. First it was for them. By the way, why do we need to do that, Peter? We don't remember what God has done in the past so we can reminisce about the good old times. We remember as a point of faith for the future. So that we could remember that what God calls us to do, he will be faithful to provide. Amen? Not remedies are good old. No, it's about point of faith. Point of faith. Secondly, it was for the children. Verse 21, he said to the Israelites, in the future when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel, cross the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. And this is parents and soon-to-be parents and hope-to-be-one-day parents. One of the most important lessons found throughout the Bible, and that is this. When your children and my children ask us, what do those stones mean? We need to be prepared to say, let me tell you about the day that God dried up the Jordan and allowed us to walk through. We are accountable to God to pass along the spiritual legacy of who God is and what he has done. Question, are you doing that? Psalm 71, 18, even when I'm old and great, do not forsake me, O God. 
till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are come. Psalm 102.18. Let this be written for future generations that a people not yet created may praise the Lord. We are accountable. Spiritual nurture of our children. Moms and dads. Are you telling your children about how God answered your prayers? Moms and dads. Are you telling your children about the way that God provided miraculously for that? And there was no other explanation. Moms and dads. Are you regularly talking about who God is and what he has done? Moms and dads. Are you telling your children about how God is healing your marriage? Moms and dads. So you go, well, I don't really have a spiritual legacy. To th- I don't remember, can't remember what God has done. It's okay. Read the Bible with them. There's no better book and resource for who God is and what he has done. Hmm. And then there was for the world, verse 24. God did so that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Can I just mention this? Do you know one of the reasons why the early church set their world on fire? There are many reasons. Radical generosity, lack of racism. But one of the most powerful witness in the early church was when the unbelieving world saw Christians and how they handled suffering. When they saw Christians handle trials, hardships, and suffering like they had never, ever seen before, it became a powerful witness to the world around them because it spoke of a deeper hope, because it spoke of their belief that there is a resurrection when God will one day restore and renew everything, and I could live radically. God says, The watching world is watching your life and going, how are you any different? How are you any different from me? You have God in your life. Anybody says they have God in their lives. You love God. Anybody can say they love God. How are you different? And God says, nation of Israel, set up an altar so that the watching world will look at it and go, your God did that? My God did that. Your God did that? My God did that. But how? Let me tell you. Set up an altar so that you could remember, so that your children could remember, so that the watching world would remember. This morning um, is a moment of remembrance as we share our testimonies, and that is this. For anyone that'd like to, and I just want to say up front, you're going to have to up the stairs and make your way up on the stage. I'm sorry. I wish we could do it down there, but the video is hard. So. But I thought about it. I'm like, it's a beautiful metaphor. It's like crossing the Jordan for some of us. It's like, oh my gosh. I mean, I can't do that. I can't go up the steps. That's okay. We will, you know, be here for you, okay? So you're going to have to come up onto the stage, okay? Microphone will be right here. You don't have to do this, but I encourage you. I would like you to pick a stone of your choosing. Your names are on here. Okay, take your stone. And simply share with us a simple, profound way in which you saw God work 
in your life. And it doesn't have to be 2014, 2013. It could be even further because you're sitting here going, oh, my gosh, Peter. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. God did that five years ago, and I vowed I would never forget. I totally forgot. And the Holy Spirit's bringing to remind her, like, right now, January 5th, 2014, of something that happened 2009. We say in our church, we really actually don't like these kinds of testimonies. I'm just telling you up front. I used to be this. Then God totally healed me. God can heal you too. Amen. We don't like that. And I'll tell you why. It's not that God doesn't work that way. Because we also, along with that, appreciate testimony that says, I'm still not out of it. But God is not done with me. I'm in process. But God's not done with me. The only thing I can say right now is if it weren't for these people in my community, I couldn't do it. Those testimonies, we love. Don't get me wrong. If you have testimony of supernatural deliverance, I love me some supernatural deliverance testimonies. But I also like testimonies where people are like, I'm still struggling, man. We go, amen, bro. We are with you. Amen? So, lastly, we keep it short, okay? Keep it short. The pastor is the only guy that talks for a really long time in this church. <laughs> And everybody gets frustrated with that. That's okay. So we don't want to frustrate people further, right? Going, everybody talks long in this church. Three to five minutes. Three to five minutes. And I'm going to be sitting actually right here. And Carlton's going to be right there. And I've already instructed him to play certain music if you go too long, okay? And, <laughs> and you will know. You will know. Okay. FYI. FYI. Just to let you know, it will be the Jeopardy theme song. So when you hear it, na, 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 it's all time for me to go, okay? Yes. And if you don't, if you don't, you're going to see a big old, okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I continue every year to have people come up after the service and go, thank you so much for doing that because that's the reason why I love New Community. And for some of you that are here for the first time, you might be just blown away going, people talk like that in church? Yeah, we do at New Community. We do. form of a Facebook post in September of 2013. I probably should make it a little more official than that. But, okay. <laughs> um, but my story starts in May of 2012, and I'll keep this brief, I'll keep it focused, but it's very exciting. Um, in May of 2012, I was determined I was going to do a half marathon for my 30th birthday, which was in September. And I was so excited, so I put on my running shoes, and 100 yards into my first day of training, I broke my ankle. So that rocked. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Six weeks, a little bump in the road, I'll be good, back on the pavement. In those six weeks, when it was time to take the cast off, they found out I had blood clots, and they had moved into my lungs, so I had pulmonary embolisms. And at that point, it was pretty obvious that I did not have the physical ability to run the half marathon that year. And it was a blow, because I was so excited for this goal and yet I knew that I would not be able to achieve it in what my expectations were. But God was faithful. He was so faithful because 
That summer, it was a challenge to walk from the car to the store. I needed a nap to make it through the day. Like, my physical ability was nothing. But yet, he built me up. He was there. He's the only one that I would credit to give me the strength to heal completely. By December 2012, I had no more blood clots, um, which was amazing. Praise God for that. And I had an amazing support system of my friends and family to keep me going. Um, So then in early spring of 2013, I put on my running shoes, made it through that first 100 yards, and I kept going Mm. and going and going, only because God was there. And he continued to give me the physical ability and training to keep going until I crossed the finish line in September of 2013. Mind you, not for my 30th birthday, but I still was 30, so it was in the year. I still made it. Um, And it's just, it's a great tangible evidence of God's faithfulness in a myriad of different ways, um, from medical resources to family support to friend support. But it's also a metaphor for in life when we have a goal or a situation and it doesn't go our way. It's not to say that goal is not right. It's to say that God's got greater things in store for us, even if it hurts. Um, so let that be an encouragement to you as you might be in your own race that's not going the way you want it to, that God's with you. And you'll be amazed when you do cross that finish line, all that he's shown you and taught you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank you. friends. I'm Jeannie. Um, and um, I uh, just want to remember um, and share with you how um, God really has provided for me um, through this church. Um, so over the years, I've built up, um, I, I've had a lot of um, distrust and um, I, I guess even cynicism um, around churches and um, the whole Christian um, culture and Christianese um, that I'd really I'd really pushed um, people away. And um, two years ago, um, I'd gotten a call that my dad was diagnosed with liver cancer, um, and I didn't realize how much I had pushed people away until that moment. Because that's when I realized I looked at my phone and I and I really needed someone mm. to be there for me, to just be with me, and um, I didn't have anyone to call. I had lots of people to email and mass text messages I could send out, but I didn't have um, just one person. Um, and it's such a lonely feeling, um, and it's a feeling I hope none of you guys have or experience. Um, so right before that point, I had just joined a small group, um, and um, I think out of just sheer desperation, um, God really used um, my small group um, to help me break down a lot of those walls and just force me to really um, share with my group about what was going on with my family, and I just could not believe how incredibly supportive they were. Um, they were praying for me um, constantly. They were sending me text messages with encouragement. They, um, they showed up at my work randomly with um, 
a bouquet of flowers, or um, I even had a friend come um, and drop off blankets and food for me and my mom because she knew that we were going to stay at the hospital overnight. Um, yeah, I just had so much support I can't even begin to describe. Um, and this past June, my dad passed away again. I can't even describe how thankful I am for this church. Not just my small group, but for this whole church. Um, So many people stepped in and supported me and my family. Um, And yeah, it was it was really the biggest blessing. And it's it's a time where, like you were saying, um, in my biggest in my greatest suffering, um, God really provided for me. (laughs) Good idea. (laughs) I'm sure there will be a lot of this. So yeah, I just, uh, I want to share that. Um, I don't know where I would be without them because um, they've really become my second family. Um, and I don't know, I hope I hope this, um, if you can relate with any part of this story, I hope you can uh, feel blessed by it. Um, and I hope some of you even also feel challenged if you also um, see yourself um, pushing people away like I have. Um, like I would really hate to see any of you guys um, really need community um, and not have it at a time when you most need it. So. I'll give you a hug. I wish I could give you one for every small group, but I know that they, you know who you are. Come on up, sir. Um, hi. Um, I'm a visitor, but um, I'm, I'm a Christian, and uh, Dan Rudakovich invited me to come to church. So, Wait, Where is Dan? I think he's at home. <laughs> but I'm here. He goes get a phone call. He invites you to church and he doesn't show up. That is ridiculous. I'm gonna call him right now. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm just, I'm just gonna call him. I, I, you know, I, I shoveled like mounds and mounds of snow to get yeah. out of my driveway, so I'm, I'm here. Um, I just I had to come forward because um, my family's been going through a really rough time as far as um, you know. It's kind of a long story, but we, we received property when we were children, and we didn't know it because some attorneys, my aunt, uncle was an attorney that had taken the income and, and the property and so forth. And as a Christian, you know, I, we're, our focus is on, on Christ, or at least it's supposed to be. And so we're not really as attached to the world as people that have no hope. You know, mm. this is all they have. Mm. And so, um, you know, when we found out about it, obviously we wanted what was given to us from our grandfather. And, and so it, they ended up suing us in court. Mm. And um, that's kind of how I met Dan. So, But I'm not going to bore you with the details. It's just the Lord's really brought our family through this process. Mm. And, I, you know, for a while, I really, you know, nobody really wants to go to court, much less when you haven't done anything wrong. I mean, it's like insult to injury. It's yeah. like you, you didn't, you know, somebody stole from you for 30 years all this money and property or whatever, and then now they're going to sue you? <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous, but this is Illinois. Mm. So, it's true. <laughs> Believe me, it's true. It's really sad. So, um, I can identify with anybody that says they're innocent or they haven't committed a crime. And now I, I now understand how they feel. 
But, um, I, you know, through this process, and I'm, I'm going to be done in 30 seconds, um, you know, I was thinking about the reason why we like David, you know, the story about David, we like Daniel, and we like Job, and we like Noah, is because if I was to say the name David, you would think Goliath, right? Mm. And it was Goliath that really made David who he was. Mm. And it was the, the flood that made Noah who he was. Mm. And it was Job's trial that made Job who he was. Mm. So without these trials that God gives us, then mm. he can't, you know, that's why Jeremiah, I think he said, Pastor, um, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver thee. Yes. And what? Thou shalt glorify me. Yeah. So that was a tough lesson for me, but I just wanted to say God is faithful and, and he will He will uphold you Amen. more than you think you can handle. Amen. Can I have a rock? Take a rock, yeah, bro. Sweet. Take a rock. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Tierney. Um, I've been here for four years and I like how you're doing this year. Um, remembering. Yes. Anyways, I'm remembering, um, the life that I've lived and the struggles that I have lived through. And I'm remembering that I was completely lost, Mm -hmm. um, living in a life of depression and partying and, um, abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is only by the grace of God that I'm alive Amen. today. Uh, Amen. I almost lost my life a few Amen. times. And it is because of the Christians in this world and this Christian family that I have yeah. that prayed for me all over the country. Um, in 2009, mm. I came back to God mm. just at the end. And my life since then has been a life of grace daily, mm-hmm. um, every hour, every minute. And I just want to say that if you have anybody that's in your life that's struggling, mm-hmm. that you're worried about, that you're praying for, um, God is faithful. Amen. And he will bring them out and he will bring them into the light. Because there's no way that he will let them stay in the dark. My life is a, t- is a testament to his grace and his faithfulness because I stand in the light daily now. I'm very thankful for that, and I will remember. Bruce, my wife Dana is right over there. Um, I want to talk about God's faithfulness and his timing. Uh, My prayer for this year has been, God, give me the vision to see the task at hand, the courage to take it up, Mm -hmm. the strength Mm -hmm. to see it through, and the faith in you to lay it down at peace, in peace when the day ends. Amen. Um, I love being a dad. Um. Dana loves being a mom. Mm. We love parenting. Um, at uh, Towards the end of uh, 2012, we decided that we wanted to open our home again um, to somebody. We didn't know who. And we went through the process of, uh, of becoming foster parents. 
and uh, and we got our license um, February of uh, 2013. Uh, March of 2013, um, Sam's birth mom came back into town, hmm. and we reestablished contact with her. She reached for the first time uh, since since the since we took custody of. Uh, Sam and became Sam's uh, parents. Uh, she really was um, reaching back to us. And uh, um, over the process of those months, uh, we got to know Tony better and we got to know her. And uh, Dana was, had a relationship with Carol. Um, and uh, um, over the yeah, over the process of that time, Tony coming to our house and spending uh, Saturday nights and coming to church with us on Sunday started to we made that kind of a pattern um, a few times a month. And uh, um, Carol's health was deteriorating and deteriorating, and she talked about the possibility of uh, and wanting to make us Tony's guardians mm. in case. Mm. something happened and uh, um, she she signed the paper uh, making us her guardians in her will um, and five days later she died mm. um, and uh, and on Saturday we brought him home um, I can't uh, I can't think of all the ways that God has has um, prepared the way for Tony in our family, uh, prepared our hearts. Um, and uh, I can't imagine. I mean, I lost my mom over 10 years ago, and I can't imagine what it would be like uh, as, as, as a seven-year-old um, to lose your mom. But uh, God put us there to, to catch him. That's right. And uh, he put us in this body That's right. for you to catch us. Mm. And you've been catching us mm. um, and, and loving us. And I don't know, uh, I, I mean, grief is a funny thing. And, uh, and I don't know how that's going to process through uh, Tony's life. But... Um, but God is so far, he's been faithful. Amen. And in his timing and in his way, has been preparing the way for him and has, has found a great place for him to land That's and right. a great place for us to land. Right. And uh, I'm just really grateful for that. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Nick. This is my wife, Hannah. Uh, 2013 was a good year. I'm sure I know many of you guys who got married in 2013, so it's an awesome year. Uh, we did too, September 20, uh, 21st. But um, this is kind of all over the board, I guess. But uh, we, I was just thinking how it's amazing 
how easy it is to not see God's provision and his providence um, because we're looking for it in a certain way. That's right. And we, have, we have an idea of That's what good. God's provision would look like. Yeah. And so if it doesn't happen that way, it's easy to say, well, God hasn't provided for us. Mm. Um, mm. Getting married is amazing, uh, but there were definitely some huge obstacles along the way. Mainly, we moved to Chicago, we started a new job, we joined a new church, mm. and we were going to get married couple states away hmm. so we couldn't be there to help with anything hmm. um, along the way uh, my wife's dad actually fell from a tree while he was helping prepare for our wedding and um, it was about 25 feet and so he broke um, all the ribs on his left side he broke both of his wrists hmm. um, punctured his lung and his last way to spleen, things like that um, and then her cousin, who was going to be helping us with the wedding, uh, music, um, had a diving accident in a pool and broke his back. Um, and he's right now still in the hospital, so he actually wasn't able to make it to our wedding. And, except through Skype. <laughs> um, so, so it was definitely very hard. There were a lot of obstacles along the way. And um, it's amazing to see, it was actually amazing to see her dad walk her down the aisle um that was incredible but i think the coolest thing was not so much that you know our wedding had the best bouquet of flowers at every table um or or the food was amazing or we had a cake that that you know rivaled who know who you know whatever um (laughs) but i think the best thing was that people came up to us over and over again at our wedding and said it's amazing how much the gospel is shown right now um, the mm-hmm. sermon is unbelievable. Was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. We can't believe how clear it is to see that God is working in your lives right now. Um, and it was amazing for us to see mm-hmm. the um, the people in our lives that love us and care for us yeah. more than anything. Even when we don't know exactly what's going on, and we actually, it's it's crazy that you're, that you're this is what's going on this Sunday because we are starting for 2014, kind of a thankfulness jar mm-hmm. in which we try to just regularly put in things that we thank God for. Um, That's good. We actually, sorry, basically, um, and this fall too, we joined a study here, and we went through Colossians, and one mm-hmm. of the things we did in, um, in Colossians 3, we, we noticed how Paul said all the time, he would just say, be thankful, be thankful. Right. Um, and it'd be random times, he'd say, you know, put on, put on grace and love and peace, oh yeah, and be thankful, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, pray for your brothers and be thankful, make sure you're thankful. Yeah. And so that's something that we, that we want to do consistently, that we remember in the, in the small things too. That's right. That it might not be that we got the best promotion or who knows what, but it must be a little thing that we forget so easily. That's right. So That's right. And I just, he's way better at speaking in public than me, but I just want to say that um, with all this new stuff going on in our life, to have a solid foundation in a church is amazing. Keeps us focused. Amen. Thank you, guys. Hello, I'm Julia, and I also got married this year, this past year in 2013, to Dean sitting over there. Um, So my thing of remembrance actually takes place a while ago, um, 10 to 14 years ago, actually, which makes me feel really old. But um, basically, growing up, I grew up in a Catholic household, but didn't really 
have any faith at all and was kind of insecure and shy as a child. So basically my whole mentality was, you know, I'm God. I'll, you know, create my successes. I'll create my future. Mm. And that's what I aimed to do in high school and junior high. And um, my biggest passion growing up was figure skating. I did that for a total of 18 years. And Mm. I had this plan for my life that I was going to go through high school, do well in high school, apply to a competitive school, go out to the East Coast, but delay that for a few years and first um, really give skating my all. Um, I really wanted to compete internationally in pairs, and that was my dream growing up. So come to senior year in high school, I applied to a bunch of colleges and was rejected by every single college. Uh, except for one, which was a random, well, it wasn't random, but for me at the time it was random college that a friend suggested, and I applied to literally last minute, Miami of Ohio, um, the one school I got into. And at the same time, I went on pair tryouts and didn't find a pair partner and basically came down to, do I give up my dream of pair skating and go to this college that I didn't want to go to? Um, and ultimately, that's what I chose to do. And it was an, it was an adjustment. It was hard having given up this, this big dream of mine and ending up in a small town in Ohio that I knew no one at. But come my junior year, I kind of got to this point and realized with the friends I had created, would I have changed anything? Would I have given this up to, I don't know, be a world pair skater? And no. And the answer wasn't even a debate in my mind. Mm. And that was a huge moment for me when I realized that God has a plan for us. And even if we... You know, we think we have a plan, we want a certain future, we want certain things to happen, and when they don't happen, you know, we get disappointed, but looking back, I now know that, you know, whatever God has, whatever his intentions are, are what's going to be what's best for me. Mm. And I still struggle with this daily, Mm. you know, wanting to control my life and wanting to play God, but, Mm. um, you know, that that time in college is really a huge Mm. remembrance Mm. to me of of how God can work in our lives, Mm. so... Thank you. Hi, guys. I'm Bethany. And I just want to share a little bit about what God is teaching me right now because it's kind of changing my life and it might be something that you guys are going through too. Um, So we talk a lot about the gospel here and I'm more comfortable with the, the part of like, you know, God loves you and God's forgiven you and that's amazing and that's miraculous. But lately God's been teaching me the second part that, um, He can still use me. Like, he wants to accomplish things through me. And lately, he's been giving me a lot of um, non-Christian relationships. And I always thought, like, I had non-Christian friends, but I realize now that I didn't. I just knew non-Christian people. (laughs) And it's really hard to have non-Christian friends. Like, it's so hard because there's so much that you just take for granted. And I'm, I'm having conversations, and I'm very aware of myself and in a way that I'm not usually and it's just so much more comfortable to to stay with my Christian friends where we're on the same page about so much and I can be 
myself. And um, so with these new relationships, um, God is teaching me that it's not up to me to do everything. I'm having these conversations and I feel so much pressure because I feel like I have to represent all the Christians everywhere and I have to represent Jesus and I have to fix all of their misconceptions that they have about God (laughs) and everything that happened in their past that made them, you know, antagonistic towards the church or towards Christianity. And um, I kind of also know how it feels now to be on the other side of someone trying to convert you Mm. because I have a couple friends who are like really trying to be like, well, you know, like, have you explored other religions? And like, I like to be with nature. And they're kind of like, they're condescending to me because they think that I'm brainwashed and they think that, you know, I'm, I'm their idea of Christianity. And I'm like, this is, this is not like, you don't know me very well. And I, I suddenly just had this epiphany that like, this must be what non-Christians feel like when Christians are really like, well, do you know Jesus? Do you know, you know? So, um, so lots of things that God is teaching me and I feel so inadequate. Um, Hmm. So much of the time, and I'm having these conversations, and I'm like, "Am I saying the right thing? Am I doing the right thing?" Um, I just want to. I just want to bring them to church, and and then Pastor Peter can do it because I don't want to do it, you know. <laughs> um, or Pastor Michael, like someone. Carlton has really good things to say. Why can't he do it, you know? Um, but God's like, no, I chose you, and I put you in this environment, in this workplace, That's and right. I put you with these people for a reason, and. There must be some, there's something about me that God wants to use. And God's given me gifts to actually make a difference for his kingdom. And I'm more comfortable using other gifts, you know. Um, I'm more comfortable with, with maybe like the talents God has given me and, and other things. But um, God's really calling me to, to do his kingdom work. Mm. And that's really scary. And I don't know if anyone else is feeling that way, but... Um, mm. I just want to let you know that we can talk and, and pray together and support each other. And God has also given me amazing Christian friendships, too. Um, so I have that support, and I have you guys. So, you know, I'm being called into this place that's really scary and really uncomfortable, and I'm feeling the pressure, and God is teaching me that, that if he wants to work through me, not even I can screw it up. So. I don't know if you all needed to hear that this morning, but I need to hear it every day. Thank you, Bethany. You guys, we have time for just a couple more, and then we'll be done. Good morning, everybody. I'm Sherry. Sorry, I've had bronchitis for a week, Um, but I just really um, wanted to share with you um, how uh, my family went through the loss of my father and my grandfather within a year, Mm. Um, and the holidays were really hard um, because I think there's still like a despair about that, Um, and... I think um, this is really beautiful. Yeah. And um, I just, I really am excited to share this with my mom and my grandma. Um, because yeah, we do need, we need to remember um, 
what's been what's been a blessing and I mean, my dad and my grandfather were beautiful beautiful wonderful men and um I think um even the way that God brought my dad home um and some of you in my small group or who know me um know that um God brought my dad home with all his family around him and with everybody singing and praising God and um and he went to meet God in this joyful wonderful way um and that is one of the biggest blessings of my life and that is a huge it's like a pile of stones bigger than this place um but i couldn't find that pile over christmas and nobody else could either it was hidden um and so i i think um and so while i was sick this last week i was laying there and being like is this is despair is this it is this what's is you know is the loss of these people going to mean there's always going to be this despair in our lives i'm like dad would not want that for us dad would want us to be trying to draw closer to god um and so um i i just want to say that you know god blessed me and my family tremendously so tremendously um like beyond anything i could imagine for myself um with my dad and with my grandfather um and it feels really good to come up and say that and say that even though there's a lot of despair um and i can't figure out how to meet my the despair of other family members um but it just feels really good to say thank you to god for those people who made me and who formed me and who showed me god and that god was there with me and showed himself in a greater way than he ever had during the loss of my father um and so i want to remember that and see that so um thank you My name is Matt, and uh, some of you know our story. Uh, my wife, Lyra, and I, she's not here today. She's in Albuquerque, um, sunny weather. But um, <laughs> uh, we uh, actually went to Newcom uh, for quite a few years, uh, and we left uh, for jobs uh, in 2009, and we moved to Orlando. Um, and uh, we thought, you know, okay, this is where God wants us for this t- season. And uh, that first year we were in Orlando, uh, my wife became pregnant, and uh, in October 2010, um, our son Desmond was born. And uh, 
approximately five weeks later, uh, after a routine uh, dentist exam, my wife was diagnosed with tongue cancer. Um, 32 years old and uh, a newborn infant. And um, at that time, it was just, uh, it just blew us away. I mean, we were brought to our knees. Um, we were in a new place. Uh, we'd gone to three churches in Orlando, so our community was pretty shallow. And uh, we just, uh, we had nothing except for God. You know, it was kind of like, uh, you just didn't know where to turn, you know. It's, uh, at that time, it felt very famine-like. And uh, after a couple of consultations, uh, we were able to get an appointment with MD Anderson, but they were pretty far out booked. And then we referred to this uh, hospital in Jacksonville, uh, teaching hospital. And uh, we had a several diagnosed or several uh, recommendations, and they all involved a uh, neck dissection, forearm mm. flap uh, mm. reconstruction, uh, and 40% removal of the tongue to remove the um, cancer. And uh, this was a teaching hospital, so they all have to agree on the uh, diagnostic, diagnostic and, uh, you know, the recommended uh, procedure. And um, so they have this board, and they all agreed on the same thing. You know, this is how we're going to do it. And um, in January 2011, uh, we go in for surgery in Jacksonville, and uh, the surgery is supposed to take eight hours. And I'm with a coworker, and... Uh, doctor comes out after two hours and he said uh, come on to our this room and we'll talk and you know you can only mm. think this is bad news and uh, he says I have good news mm. he said uh, I had a dream last night and in my you know in my dream I couldn't sleep and everything something was wrong and I sent the we had instead of doing the neck dissection we ended up doing another pathology exam and it came back uh, different diagnostic uh, diagnosis. It was it was um, carcinoma in situ, which is means that it can't spread. Yeah. And um, he said uh, instead of forty percent, uh, we only have to take twenty percent of the tongue out. Mm. And um, she's already out of surgery. Mm. And. Uh, that month, uh, you know, you're just like overwhelmed by God's goodness. And um, the month prior, you know, we're just uh, wondering, God, how is this, you know, why, why are you doing this? What, what does this mean? Why, why did this happen to us? And, uh, you know, I think back and I, I wish that I had sensed God's presence more and had more faith hmm. prior to that. And, um, that was our. That was the beginning of our Orlando journey. And uh, this last year, we uh, lost my job, and uh, we ended up back here for various reasons. Mm-hmm. And um, the whole time, you know, you think uh, was Orlando a big mistake? But mm-hmm. through this whole season, I felt like, okay, God, we're here for a reason. We're here for a purpose. Uh, and so, oftentimes we never fully understand that reason, and the reasons are totally different than the ones that we had planned. That's right. And uh, that whole time, the uh, importance of community and family mm-hmm. and people that can support you, and um, I think it really resonates uh, the whole remembering because even though it happened in early 20 uh, yeah. or 
early 2011, it's a reminder to never forget God's provision, That's God's right. faithfulness, um, right. even when we don't always sense his presence. Right. And uh, so, thank you. Thanks, man. Jamie. My husband Ryan is over there. Um, I've always been someone that's not very good at forgiving myself. Mm. Um, I hold on to my failures pretty tightly. Mm. Um, And thus I have trouble accepting God's forgiveness or believing it sometimes. Um, So he sent me Ryan, who is very much the opposite. Um, And in the short time that I've known him or been married to him, I've known him for a while, but um, we got married last year as well. (laughs) Speaking's not my thing. I sing. I don't speak. (laughs) Um, But there have been more than a couple times that I've had to come to him and confess things that, um, ways that I've sinned against him. Mm. And he's just always immediately completely forgiven me in a way that I've never experienced from anyone else. Mm. And I'm mm. really thankful for that. Yeah. Um, just to know that, that kind of complete forgiveness is possible, and you spoke a couple months ago of, you know, if a human can do that, how much more right. um, does God yearn to do that? Um, That's right. So, Thankful for that. Thank you. Hello, church. I uh, grew up in the church and uh, saw many great miracles. Um, my parents were in Thailand and the Philippines for most of my life, and I saw God do great things. And yet still I, I struggled, and I forgot. And um, um, over a decade ago, God called me into ministry. Mm-hmm. And um, I stepped out in faith. And I enrolled in Moody Bible Institute, and that brought me to Chicago. I had no family here, no reason to come up to the uh, Yankeeville um, while you Yankees live. Um, um, Northerners. Northerners. Uh, no. Um, you know, I, uh, my parents grew up in the South, and, um, but uh, I had no family in Chicago, and, uh, and God called me. He said, I want you to go to Moody Bible Institute. And so... Um, I was there for two years and uh, I really struggled and I got in a relationship and um, my girlfriend got pregnant and three days before um, my 21st birthday um, 
he had an abortion. And it rocked my world. And I felt so unworthy. And um, felt like God couldn't and wouldn't use me anymore. And uh, I ended up going to University of Illinois, Chicago. I got a degree in sociology and, and from there went on. And uh, I work with uh, adults with disabilities, mm. and it's an awesome thing. Mm. And God's really been stirring my heart over the past few years. And uh, a few months ago, God used me in a very special way in a situation. And he used everything that I have experienced post-Moody Bible Institute. That's right. And he said, I can still use all that. That's it. Yeah. And I still want you in ministry. I still need you and want you, and you are worthy. Yeah. And um, and I'm here as part to put it on record, mm. saying, God, I accept it again, and I am willing to finish what you started in me. That's right. That's right. God's a good God. He is. He's been so faithful. He is. And sometimes it can take over a decade to really bring healing Mm. and forgiveness. Mm. But it will come. Yes. So hang in there. God is faithful. Amen. Faithful to complete it. Thanks, brother. Thank you for sharing that. I'm really glad that you came today especially those of you and you know who you are um, you come on Sunday when you can and you go home right after and you're sitting there today saying I don't know about this community stuff and getting to know people and deep relationships. Woven throughout every story in the fabric of stories this morning is this constant, and that is you and I cannot do this alone. We cannot do this alone. And my prayer for you if you're just coming and you're scared for relationships and commitment, getting involved, get to know us as a church and allow us as a church to get to know you. We're not perfect. Far from it. Far, far from it. But to the best of our ability, we want to love you in the way that these people talked about all through this morning. I receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. And may he give you peace now and forevermore name of the Father and the Son 
and the Holy Spirit. All of God's people said, Amen. Have a great week and have a great year, church.